Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Today's guest was recently recognized by Forbes magazine as she's a millennial who has raised almost a billion dollars in the investment world for others and then decided to start her own company, Alternative Wealth Partners, and she's starting her own fund. Please welcome to the show, Kellyanne Wingjet. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Um, wow. What an amazing record you have. Um, you know, especially at your age. I'm so impressed. I've, I've you know, just gotten to know you. Uh, we, of course, were both at the Wealthy Women's Summit. Mm -hmm. And I'm just amazed by how incredibly smart and charismatic you are at your age. And I just love what you're doing with um, Alternative Wealth Partners. I mean, Thank you. it's amazing. And you, I wanna mention that you flew in from uh, Dallas, Texas today yes. to be with us here in LA. Yes, it's still hot in Texas, so it's nice to come over here and enjoy yeah. some cooler weather. Yep, we do pay for our weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So um, how did you uh, get involved in this? You know, because, you know, we both know not a lot of women are in the investment world. And, you know, how did you first step into this arena? So um, I am extremely fortunate for having two parents that were in the financial services space. So uh, I just grew up around um, the conversation of money. It was never, you know, an off table topic. It was talked about at dinner every single day. Uh, I'm also a five, fifth generation oil and gas family, so I have oil and gas uh, on both sides, both my father's side of the family in West Texas, Midland, Odessa, and my mother's side of the family in Louisiana. Um, petroleum engineers, landmen, roughnecks, you know, you name it. So I was so going- So it's in your DNA, It's basically. in my DNA, yeah. yeah. So I eventually found my own way into the oil and gas industry. Um, in uh, 2013 is really when I started to really get into um, in the investment space from mm -hmm. the oil and gas perspective. So almost 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So 10 years ago. You were what, five? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so at five years old, <laughs> I started raising my first dollars. And um, it was a really interesting time to like really get involved because at that time, oil and gas was creeping up to $130 a barrel. So, which was what we experienced this summer. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of things that were going on in the industry that didn't quite make sense for me. And so my job was really to help oil and this particular oil and gas company buy assets in the Eagle Ford and then like connect those assets with investors looking for cash flow. Now, at $130 a barrel, that's pretty nice cash flow for investors if they're buying at the right price. Um, but at that time, everybody was getting into oil and gas. So they were overpaying for these assets. And I kept kind of like beating my drum over, you're paying too much, you're paying too much, you're paying too much. And um, I said, best of luck with you guys. I'm going to go do something else. I moved to California, actually. Um, and about six months later, oil crashed oh my to $30 gosh. a barrel. You had that intuition yeah 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 because i mean if you look at uh, historical information history is very important when it comes to investing yeah um 
you that just goes for real estate, everything, stocks, everything. All of it, right? It, it you repeats pay itself. Attention to it, it repeats right? itself. So yes. I just kind of saw the red flags and said, I'm going to go do something else and um, came and enjoyed the weather in Orange County for four years. Love it. And then you went back to Texas. Yes. Um, when did you start Alternative Wealth Partners and why? Um, I started uh, AWP at the best time to start a new business in the middle of the pandemic. So <laughs> this was literally the summer of 2020. And at this time, I was working with a large private equity company. They had over $3 billion worth of assets under management. And I was the smartest person in the room. Um, which gave me like the mm, maybe I should be doing this for myself now, right? And so, I and I love that you had yeah. that confidence because so many women second guess themselves. They're like, "Could I really be the smartest woman in the room or person in the room?" Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes, yes, yes you could be. <laughs> and, you usually are. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I love that because every week that's what we do. We talk about uh, women becoming angel investors. How do women get funding? I love that you focus on helping. Uh, startups uh, or businesses uh, get their funding. Um, I was reading that you typically like to um, invest in companies that maybe have like a million dollars, but in revenues, but could be doing you know ten or twenty million in revenues, and that's kind of your sweet spot that yes. you look for. Is that right? Yes, it is. In um, fact, uh, I was just going to say. Uh, you and I, when we met, I turned you on to a, a retail company, mm -hmm. and that's exactly the scenario. And I'm so happy that you invested in them. I know it's private, so we won't talk mm -hmm. about it, but a retail company that, thanks to you, got enough funding that now they can get a million dollar equity line so they can produce more product and grow that company to hopefully be a 10 or $20 million company. Right. And uh, very exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. And the difference between like how we make our investments and how like traditional PE invests. So private equity typically wants some sort of controlling interest. They come in and they change the whole system uh, to be better and then they flip the business to someone either larger or they sell it to be acquired um, to maybe a competitor. So we're, we're in between this angel investor, um, startup capital and what a bank or a large private equity company could do. Right. Um, we have no interest in like taking someone's business away from them. We want to give them the right capital in the right way that gets them to the next level um, so that they can succeed and go on and do whatever. And so we get to make our um, profit. The company gets to grow. And then we move on to the next project. Um, right. And so the investors in turn make the profit. Right. Right. And you, uh, I've read your, you know, acumen that, mm -hmm. you know, you have a pretty high rate of return that you expect. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you're getting paid really depends on that. Right. So that's a, a, a great strategy that I think most wealth you know, companies, investment companies mm -hmm. don't follow that. It's right. like they make sure they make money, <laughs> uh, but they don't always make sure you make money. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great strategy. It was it was just the last 10 years of watching the cost of capital. So the amount of money someone's paying for money um, in the private space crossing over 17, 18, 22 percent, which is really aggressive because 
that means you have to and then in turn make 30, 40, 50% returns. Right. Just to give an investor a 6%. Right, return. which really hurts these founders because it makes it nearly impossible for them to be successful right. in that type of scenario. And a lot of these investment firms, they don't care. They just no. want to make their money. Right. Uh, so I love that you like have conscious investing strategies. Yeah, I think yeah. that um, it's refreshing. It, we're going to see more of this, I think, over the next you know, decade where greed is starting to be removed from the equation mm -hmm. um, because you have these people that are worth. You know why? Because you have more women coming right. into the arena. Right. Honestly, that's right. it. Women do business differently. They, they, you know, for the most part, and I'm not saying all men don't, but, <laughs> but the venture capital world has very mm -hmm. much been white male driven and it's uh, been that type of vacuum and so right. it is taking women to step into that arena start creating their own funds like mm -hmm. you're doing uh to change up that mentality right yeah um when i decided to launch the first fund um i knew that i had been working in the shadows for a decade so me coming to the table with no you know recordable track record um either through non-competes non-disclosures you know type of capital raising I basically had to come out into the world as like, I'm this person who's existed and I've done all of these things, but I can't tell you what I've actually done. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to believe me. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been able to raise over $15 million in eight months. That's um, fantastic. And, and your goal is 50, 50 million, right? On this first one. Yeah, and, very uh, aggressive. But we're not, we're not letting that stop us. We're, I don't think we'll, we'll raise the full 50 in this fund because one of the main components of this is that I don't charge fees in this fund. So it's all performance based and we have a really high hurdle. So investors really get 100% of 90% of the profits, you know? Wow. Um, and I did that because I'm a normal human being with like a normal life, you know? I have a partner, we have two kids, two dogs and a cat. Um, yeah. And we live in a normal house and yeah. my lifestyle isn't millions of dollars a year right it's so, not extravagant right yeah. i feel like i should get fairly paid for the work that i do and not anything aggressive so when we if we hit the bare minimum of our targets in this fund i'll walk away with 10 to 15 million dollars in five years that's pretty good payday yeah that's a good payday um if i structured it in a normal two and 20 um i would be paying myself two million dollars a year mm -hmm. and then get a cut and so the investors and then expensing everything through the fund. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the investors are paying for everything that I'm doing. They're not doing that in this fund. I pay for it. Right. Um, and let's say we raise the full 50. We do our minimum, which is three Xing. So now we have one hundred and fifty million dollar value of our fund. The way that I have it structured, about one hundred and thirty five million dollars go back to the investors. And if I did it in a traditional fact, uh, they would get about a hundred. So right, so it uh, plays a big in the investors' favor. Right, and, and you know, uh, I I said this on the show before, and uh, and I'll say it again: is that we are in a time that history is being made mm -hmm. because more women than ever are creating and starting their own funds. This is an amazing thing. It's what's going to turn the tide. We need more women angels investing in these funds and that's going to be a game changer 
that's what I'm doing a film about, as you and I have talked about, mm -hmm. because I want to raise awareness to this fact. And having women like yourself on the show that are actually starting these funds, I think really is a great platform to educate women to, hey, investigate this company, uh, Alternative Wealth Partners, investigate Kelly's funds, investigate what other women are starting funds out there and determine where you could be investing right? or who you could get investment from. Speaking of that, your fund uh, is investing in what types of businesses? We are invested in everything from oil and gas to ammunition manufacturers to cannabis and coffee. Like, right. we are very diversified. And um, I created the fund this way because I've worked on over 200 individual private placements. And there was not an option to have like this mutual fund of alternatives, like in right. the private space. Right. And um, so I just created it. <laughs> right. And so no, I created the diversified brilliant. fund because yeah. it's really hard for an investor who has a whole other life, right? This person's a small business owner. Um, maybe they're an executive. Maybe right. they're a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. Like they have a full-time job. So they can't go and then become an expert in coffee and cannabis and oil and renewables and blah, 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 right? Right. And then deploy $50,000 at a time because that's typically the minimum when we're talking about private placements. Right. So and I give them the choice to take that same investment capital and spread it across 25 different assets. Right, and that is the beauty of a fund, right? right. You're pooling your money with other investors so that it has more uh, gravitas, mm -hmm. uh, and then you put it into several different investments mm -hmm. that you have vetted so they don't have to. Right. Um, instead of putting it in the market, which mm -hmm. obviously is very <laughs> vulnerable and yes. very erratic, and I know you're not a big fan of the stock market. Mm -hmm. I mean. Of course, everyone should diversify, right. but what do you think is the leg up on this type of investing versus the stock market? Well, it used to be that you would have this like 60-40 portfolio, like 60% stocks and 40% bonds, and then you'd you know, sprinkle in some life insurance and annuities, yeah. and this is what worked for the last like 40 years, or worked, right? And um, you could see a shift, it's actually on uh, the Yale Endowment website, mm -hmm. like you can go to Yale and look at their endowment allocation, and you can see the 180 shift that they've done since 1980 to today, mm -hmm. away from stocks and almost 90% in alternatives. Really? Yeah. So wow. you I'm have to go to that site and yeah, look at that. It's really interesting. Yeah. If you look at the biggest money in the world and where they're invested, it's almost exclusively in private equity and venture capital. Mm -hmm. um, and that's happened in the last 25 years. You know, and that's the reason, like, I'm talking about this every week and trying to, through the film, pull the curtain back and say women need to educate themselves on being in this space. Women in the next decade or two are mm -hmm. coming into trillions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Where are they going to place that? They need to educate themselves yeah. about angel investing, venture capital, and this alternative investing uh, through private equity. Right. Right? I mean, because... Uh, like you're saying, the old way, they can't put all their money into that. That's that's not going to be a, a good, safe uh, avenue. Mm. And this world of, uh, this world of um, private equity, angel investing, and all this is so exciting. Yeah. Because you're getting in on the 
you know, innovations that the average person don't even know is coming right. uh, in many cases. And then you do um, types of investments that are not typical. Now, you mentioned ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when you first told me that, I remember our conversation, <laughs> I was like, ooh, ammunition. I was like, that doesn't sound good. But... <laughs> Then you said, yeah, but what do you think is being made to go over to Ukraine to help them fight that war? And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I see that perspective. Now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you invest in companies that like have been around and doing that like 100 years, right? But but there's very far and in between. They're far and in between. They are, you know, what a unique investment. (laughs) Yeah. So there's not a lot of, you have these really old industries, oil and gas, um, ammunition, these these types of industries have been around a really long time. And so you have these big uh, companies, Winchester, Federal, in the ammunition space, and their manufacturing process and equipment, you're, you're talking about 150-year-old, century-old manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. It's, t- it's almost 2023, mm-hmm. okay? You can't be having these massive assembly lines doing this stuff. So we... We're partnered with a company that's basically just turned that entire process into an automated uh, robotic system Mm -hmm. where all you have to do is change out a part or two and you have a whole new assembly line. Right. Um, And so they're able to do massive amounts of more uh, capacity than their competitors just because they've innovated the process. Right. And if if Winchester or Federal wanted to come in and uh, still compete, they would have to spend billions of dollars um, either building out new assembly lines or completely renovating right. their system. Um, so you invest in companies like this that right. are changing up the game of things that we've been doing the old way, kind mm-hmm. of the new way in these um, type of um, industries that we typically are not thinking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, I help I help investors kind of like disconnect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're human beings and we're emotional, right? And, and emotion and investing can get really sticky. Right. Um, especially when you're talking about the stock market, right? A lot of people that I'm talking to now are like in panic mode because even though I told them last November, hey, you should maybe consider doing something else. Mm-hmm. And they just every quarter have been like, I should take my money out. I should take my money out. And I'm like, you probably should. Yeah. And they still don't do it. And they just watch it go down and down and down. Right. And then... I'm sure at the end of the year, they're going to super panic and then just pull all their cash out, take all the losses, and right. which is okay. You can get creative with that. But yeah. um, we, we take out the emotional part because I'm not a gun person, okay? Right. I live in Texas, yeah. okay? But you know, I, I don't see a need for it. I have two 75-pound dogs, yeah. okay? Nobody's coming into my house. Right. Um, but I do understand the global need of it, mm-hmm. and um, it's... It's just something you have to accept right. and you have to remove the emotion part right. if we're going to be focusing on returns. And then you invest in oil and gas. I'm sure that's going to blow up my phone, too, <laughs> um, because, you know, obviously people are wanting to go green. Yeah. And, you know, and what are your thoughts on that? So um, I'm biased. I've obviously my entire livelihood is built around oil and gas. Right. But, um the reality is, is that we are power hungry, crazy people in the world, right? We cannot stop using energy. Um, and for the time being, fossil fuel fills that need. 
We've been able to replace a significant portion of that, but the reality is we don't have the infrastructure to completely transition yet. Right. And when we have high oil prices like this, the oil industry doesn't like when oil is crazy like this. Mm -hmm. The oil industry wants like $65 oil, like just that is good. Right. And what that translates to you as a consumer is like, in Texas, like $2 gas, maybe yeah. here in California it's four. Yeah. Um, but it it's like normal prices, everything is kind of uh, manageable. Right. Um, when it's volatile like this, you know, the oil companies can't plan. Right. And we're talking about a commodity that comes out of the ground. You cannot put it back there. Right. So they have to be very particular about how they plan. I They're see. not gonna pull it out. Um, if they think that the price is gonna go up and down, up and down, up and down, right. they should leave it there. It's more valuable in the ground. And so um, it seems like most of these uh, oil and gas companies are looking at alternative mm-hmm. energies and investing in them for that shift that they see is coming. Is right. that right? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. the thing is is that you might ha- hate Exxon, but Exxon's gonna be the your power provider mm-hmm. until the end of time. Right, so they're, they're gonna, shifting. And, yeah, they'll so be an oil and gas yeah. company today and in 20 million years, there'll be a solar company. Right, right, who <laughs> so, knows when, but yeah. I know they are shifting to that, so that's some good news. Yeah. Um, and what? And, and you're investing also in the cannabis yes. industry, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's just burgeoning, right? Yes, It's um, it was an interesting thing, because I've been watching it for a couple of years. When I moved to California in 2014, um, in about 2015, it was really popular. A lot of investors wanted to get involved in cannabis. Mm-hmm. So they were like looking for all these different types of deals. And um, at that time, I was like not interested in cannabis stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like really competitive and no one quite had it figured out yet. And um, now that it's become really popular, we have a majority of the states have approved at, at the minimum of a medical marijuana um, law. And so. We're not really focused in the United States. It's more of a global thing for us. Mm. So we're invested down in Jamaica, actually. Mm-hmm. So and it's a it's a wholesale growing process. So we wholesale it to pharmaceutical companies mm. um, all over the world. So we're not really tied to what the United States is doing federally with cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also deal with uh, retirement funds, and so we take uh, people's four hundred one ks or um, IRAs into our fund, and so we can't directly invest into cannabis. Mm-hmm. So I've structured all of our cannabis deals as real estate debt. So mm-hmm. um, we hold interest in the properties, uh, not necessarily the cannabis companies. And so that's how we are able to let people take advantage of cannabis without Very smart. actually being invested in cannabis. Right, right, indirectly. Right. And, um, you know, manufacturing is the number one way that people in the country make money mm-hmm. uh, just behind real estate. It sounds like that's why you're really focused on this niche of right. manufacturing and infrastructure and then, and then real yeah. estate. Yeah. Um, what would be your advice to someone who's thinking about stepping into this arena, maybe investing in a fund? Um, you know, what is it that they need to know or what what advice would you give them? So I want your audience to kind of understand that it's not your fault for not knowing any of this. It's on purpose. Um, and I've worked behind the scenes um, watching that from behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're actively being avoided when it comes to 
these opportunities. So being um, purposeful in your mission to start investing is important. Mm -hmm. So decide you're going to write the check and then do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's the only way to start getting into the rooms and being invited into deals because you'll stop being invited to deals if you're never funding them. Right, and and this is for accredited investors, yes. right? So that people have to look into what that means mm -hmm. exactly. Right, uh, there's a certain criteria. Mm -hmm. Now, if they're not an accredited investor, but they are a woman that is uh, starting a business, um, you do try to help uh, these businesses get funding. Right, and the sweet spot is they're already in business. Maybe they're doing a million dollars, but they know they could be doing five, ten, twenty million dollars. Does it matter? what sector they're in no so um, we separate our funds out and this first one is a diversified fund so it's really diversified so it can invest in anything um, so we, it could be tech could right. be retail we have could fintech be products. Yep. yeah yeah we've got it all so we have fintech uh, we invested in the series B round of Elevest which is um, a female founded Sally Krawcheck founded this company mm -hmm. yeah um, and it's if you're starting your investment journey it's a great place to start it gives you anything from basic financial literacy all the way up to private wealth. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are in that accredited, and so to define that for your um, viewers, it's just um, if you have a million dollar net worth outside of your home uh, or a $200,000 annual uh, income, um, if you're married, you can combine your incomes for 300. That qualifies you. And then the SEC actually just decided in summer of 2020 that if you have your series 65 um, you also qualify as an accredited investor mm -hmm. and they've removed the um, sponsorship requirement so if you really are if you're a, a, an academic person you could go study for the test and mm -hmm. take your series 65 you don't need a broker or anything to sponsor you mm -hmm. then you have the sophistication that the SEC is looking for mm -hmm. to be an accredited investor Right. That's a great explanation. Yeah. Thank you. And if you're uh, uh, someone that ha owns a company mm -hmm. and you need funding, yeah. they could come to you. Yeah. I'm, I love having these conversations. Um, it really is kind of a unique spot trying to figure out, do I need my bank relationship to step in or do I need investors? <coughs> mm -hmm. um, and I have my own qualms with banks uh, mm -hmm. giving businesses funding right now mm -hmm. um, they don't want to fund anything even the small local banks um, I had a phone call literally yesterday with my bank about doing a deal and I'm like listing off all of these things that they could take debt on and I'm talking about pretty impressive rates for a bank to earn mm -hmm. uh, which is usually like two or three percent and I'm like handing them an eight percent return and they're like we don't know if we can invest in that because you know we we really want to see account receivables I was like they have millions of dollars in deposits. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, their deposits for these other things. Like, yeah, but we really want to see the other money in first. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, so sometimes when you're dealing with institutions like mm -hmm. that, there's so much red tape. Yes. And, and, and they're not really visionaries like right. yourself. And so I think that's your leg up is that you're a visionary. Yeah. And uh, I know when I brought this retailer to you, um, I really believed in that founder. And I thought they just need somebody to help them restructure their debt mm -hmm. and uh, give them this uh, enough investment that they could get this equity line mm -hmm. um, so that 
they could, you know, go. Yeah. They have the orders. They can't fill them. Hello. What a great investment. You right. Know, exactly. Everybody should have that problem. Too right. many customers, right? <laughs> yes. But no, I, I appreciate that you had seen that uh, vision that a bank could not. All right. they could see is, oh, they have debt. And, you know, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. It's like, right. uh, it's good to have smart women in the room, like I yeah. said before. So I, investors need to understand, especially women, you are going to be the reason why banks become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a worse place to put your money than a bank. It sits there. It does nothing. They do nothing with it. Um, if they do do something with it, it's usually a terrible real estate deal. Um, so well, you can be a better investor than your bank, and you should just put your money to work. Yes. While you're working. Well, here's the thing. Women are risk adverse, right? I don't know why. It's in our DNA. It's in the culture. Women are taught to be that way. But more women need to follow in your footsteps and reach out and educate themselves on angel investing, venture capital opportunities, private wealth opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say is the difference between the private equity and investing in venture capital? Can you explain that? So... Uh, private equity is going to be typically later stage um, businesses. Um, like I said before, most private equity companies are coming in with a controlling interest. Um, we are we get more um, specific about our deal structure, and I think that venture capital is kind of like a shotgun strategy, mm-hmm. where how many companies can we invest in for as little as possible for the biggest gain. Um, and that company could either be pre-revenue or maybe just starting to generate revenue. Um, also, we take all of our capital up front. Um, there's not, let's go find portfolio companies. We have a strategy and that's how we invest. Um, mm-hmm. they, they kind of coexist like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the reason why I went with private equity and not venture capital is I feel like I have more um, flexibility in private equity than I would have in venture capital. Mm-hmm. And how would someone decide if they should seek out private equity or venture capital? Would- um, it's really about your financial goals. Mm-hmm. So um, the best piece of advice I can give you is find a really good CPA or a tax planner and find a really good estate attorney. So once you can get really comfortable with your own financial situation, you can really hone in on what your strategy is as an investor. Um, because how long do you have left to work? Mm-hmm. Um, how long do you want to work? Um, what, is, what is the amount of money to let you live the lifestyle you wanna live? Like there's all these things you have to think about before you make an investment. Right. Um, and it's just, we are risk adverse, but if you've made the decision that you're going to take the risk, um, the horizons are just very different on either side of those things. And and many women too could, might be in a position that, like I said, they're inheriting trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not even have to do with lifestyle. It may be like, hey, I can just park it in these bonds or these mm-hmm. stocks, or I can do something with it that's gonna make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I like about the angel investing, private equity opportunities that people have is to invest in other women Mm -hmm. and help their businesses to flourish while making money at the same time. And so, you know, giving us a purpose, you know, uh, profits with purpose, as uh, my friends at 360 Collective say. Um, So 
thank you so much for being here yeah. and you're just a wealth of information <laughs> no pun intended thank you and uh, how can people reach you Kelly um, so I'm pretty accessible online so uh, if you go to our website which is alternativewealthpartners.com uh, we have a contact sheet there I think my calendarly is somehow connected to that but um, I don't run most of my social media but my LinkedIn I do mm-hmm. and um, I'm on it all day every day so if you message me on there I'm the person who's responding to you love um, that okay great and I, I post a lot so yeah. um, if you're wanting to kind of passively start learning about this stuff then uh, I encourage you to follow me on LinkedIn and if you have questions then you can always message me on there I'm happy to have a conversation whether you have a million dollars or not love it love it thanks kelly thanks for being here thank you and everybody uh thanks for tuning in this week you can find kelly uh obviously on linkedin you can find me katherine gray on there as well you can follow uh katherine gray invest in her of course on instagram and uh she angel investors we are everywhere facebook twitter instagram you name it you will find kelly and i one way or the other thanks for tuning in make it a great week remember to invest in her invest in another woman. Take care.